0: Good morning and uh, welcome to Race Industry Now, the weekly webinar series from ePoward Trade presented to you by ARP, Performance Plus Global Logistic, Peak, Shop Monkey, and Fifth Third Bank Motorsports. I am Francisque Savignan, the founder and CEO of ePoward the global platform for the performance and racing industry. This is episode 338 and we're going to be talking fuel delivery with Fuel Lab. With me this morning are Judy Kin, the co-founder of ePortrade and a wonderful host, Mr. Brad Gilly. Judy? Good
1: morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And I wanted to remind everyone that we have a YouTube channel. We have 350 plus webinars on there and different various videos. So. If you have not signed up, enjoyed them, please, uh, what do you do? do, subscribe on those? So feel free to join us. In fact, I just came back from North Carolina yesterday, walked through the Hendrick engine builder shop, and there are head engine builders there loving what we're doing with our technical webinar. So please feel free, welcome, join us on um, our YouTube channel, and Mr. Brad, on to you.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Judy, and thank you, Francisca, and for the engine builders out there, and really the racers and everybody who's attending here today. Uh, Today's topic is a great one because it applies really to everyone, and it doesn't matter, honestly, whether it's your race vehicle or your tow vehicle. Uh, We're talking about why your fuel system performance matters, the future of fuel delivery by Fuel Lab. And I can see uh, Tanner Berg, the business development and race fuel systems manager, joining us right now. So, uh, Junie, Francis, look forward to seeing you guys here in just a short while. And I'm sure we're about to learn a whole lot. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, Tanner, welcome. How are you doing today?
3: Oh, doing all right. How about
2: yourself? I'm fantastic. Uh yeah, you know, look, it, it's a great time of year because um for most people race season has started. For some maybe it's going to get started, but either way uh everybody in this business is about to get a whole lot busier as uh, things continue to get warmer, right? Oh yeah, yeah, We're picking up a lot and glad to see everybody getting out there in nice weather, you know. Yeah. Well, this is gonna be awesome. Well, well, let's talk about fuel lab first of all, because I know you guys um have just such an amazing line of products from fuel pumps to fuel filters, pressure regulators, fuel systems, uh diesel performance, all kinds of accessories and everything. So uh tell us a little bit about fuel lab and uh and, and what you do and what makes it unique.
3: So fuel lab was started about uh 12 years ago. Really, we saw a gap in the market to bring brushless technology to fuel pumps. And since then, we've been building upon that, looking for solutions and really trying to get ahead of the curve when it comes to fuel delivery. We are trying to push the envelope and we're really looking to make fuel systems as efficient as possible. And really, that comes down to moving technology forward, specifically with brushless technology.
2: Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that uh, and specifically as it relates to uh, what your products are and fuel pumps and everything and, and how brushless is now becoming a huge advantage.
3: So for most people, brushless technology within a fuel pump is relatively new. Uh, We've, like I said, been doing it for about 10 years, but a lot of manufacturers are starting to see it more commonplace, especially within the OEM. Um, Now, uh, other industries have seen brushless technology really take off quite a bit, uh, like RC cars, tools, things like that. So, you know. The The importance of brushless is really the longevity of the motor and the lack of amperage draw there. So with how efficient the motors are, it makes it, it really gives us the opportunity to create these new systems that are going to be able to uh, stay cooler. They're going to last longer. They're going to be
2: you know, able to really push more fuel at this point. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, By the way, uh, for those of you viewing right now, welcome. We appreciate you coming on here today. If you do have a question at any point, just feel free to type it into the chat. And we certainly love to talk about everything that you have. Uh, I'll I'll probably jump around just a little bit. Um, You mentioned amperage. And uh, in talking to anybody, it doesn't matter what it is. uh, If it's a crew chief not wanting to necessarily put a cool suit on a driver that day, if it's uh, an engine builder, if it's anybody, they start talking about amperage because because everything that draws ends up drawing horsepower. So let's talk about how why that's so important, especially with uh, with the fuel pump technology.
3: Well, you know, really with a lot of new pumps, uh, especially with the power numbers that people are making nowadays, you know, uh, the 700 is the new 300, E85 is the new standard uh, in most scenarios. So with that, uh, a lot of, you know, intake pumps and even external pumps when they're a brushed motor, you're, you're looking at 30 plus amps to, to really make the power you need. And, you know, uh, with a lot of cars where you have a 160 amp alternator and needing two, three fuel pumps, you're talking about almost your entire system being taken up by fuel pumps. So for us, being able to offer these pumps that have, you know, 7 amps, 10 amps, 15 amps tops uh, and be able to support, you know, a thousand of the tire, that that's huge. So, especially when you start getting deeper into the motorsport systems and you have, you know, one, two, maybe even three PDMs and you start running out of these really high amperage channels with, you know, brushless fans, electric water pumps, cool suits, things like that. uh, Us being able to fit into these lower PDM channels really also give people the chance to, to save a lot of money by not having to stack another PDM because they need another 25 or 30 amp channel. So. We really focus on how to to meet the market demands where it comes to things like that, you know, are like with lift pumps and things like that. We see a lot of people where you end up drawing, you know, 25 amps. And uh, I mean, for me and my my personal shop putting cars together, it's like, you know, people looking for a third, fourth PDM, It, it gets so expensive so fast. That if you're not able to to really manage where these amperage draws are coming from, you're going to to corner yourself there and you're going to be buying whole extra units for, you know, two channels. And
2: it's uh, just not, not a fun time. No, no, it's not at all. And efficiencies and all of that. And look, there are certain systems in any vehicle and in any uh, performance vehicle, uh, especially that. Uh, look, if it doesn't work, it could really shut everything down. And obviously, a fuel pump is something like that. So when we're talking about a brushless, ne- uh, brushless technology, and obviously something you guys have been working with uh, for over a decade now, um, reliability always comes into question as well. Sometimes we talk about that racer compromise, like, hey, this is going to draw less, but is it going to last as long? Uh, how does brushless fit into that?
3: So with a brushless fuel pump, you don't like uh, so. Uh, I just will back up a little bit so with a brushless motor you do have those those copper brushes that that spin and essentially they get worn over time that's just you know normal wear and tear I mean think of it more or less like an alternator they do wear out over time and it's kind of inevitable with brushless because you're using magnets you're really able to get away from that and so when it comes to how long they last just because you have less wear items inside the pump itself especially on the motor side you're not seeing those same wear characteristics you're getting i i mean you're not you're really not going to run into the same scenario that you do with a brushed pump and for for us it's it comes down to not wanting to take things back apart i mean even then you know we we're so confident with our brushless stuff that we offer a lifetime warranty so that that is something where you know, that's that's how confident we are in this technology when we're able to to offer that with a product. It's you know, we hope to give confidence to racers the same way where it's like, yeah, you're not going to be taking this thing back back part in the field or anything like that. So, yeah, that's I mean, it's just kind of where brushless lines up. And that's why,
2: like I said before, that's where almost everybody's going when it comes to electronics outside of the benefits uh, as you're talking about um you know less amperage draw and things like that is there anything else that becomes specific or is there anything i should say that becomes specific to uh going brushless in that i mean ultimately once the fuel is exiting the pump is everything downstream pretty much the same that it's uh it is regardless
3: uh in most cases yeah i uh, you know outside of really us being able to to maximize the flow out of these systems and needing to make sure that you have a regulator and filter that matches Uh, just based on demand so you're not choking the pump but switching to brushless is a lot easier than most people think you know um, when it comes to the controllers because switching from dc to three phase you end up you have to have a controller Uh, some products it's offered integrated some of them it's a standalone controller Uh, but at the end of the day getting power to the controller just power ground you can power the controller and then That's where a lot of people get tripped up because they see three three phase wires coming out of a controller. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, but, you know, it's electronics, just power ground. Right. So. It's it's intimidating at first, just because there is this new factor that a lot of people haven't got to deal with. But it's not anything that's it's not, you know, witchcraft like this is a really easy part to integrate into any system and upgrade um we even have some drag guys who are coming out of mechanical pumps and switching to to our you know external pumps because you know being able to move the weight around the car and when you have you know a surge tank up front that's five gallons and a mechanical pump you can move 40 to 50 pounds around in the car and these pumps are really lightweight and i mean you can kind of position them wherever with the how easy it is to use the pickups and stuff so you can you can really start to balance a car quite a bit differently by being
2: able to to capitalize on these pumps and not having to live on the front of the motor. Oh, wow. And that's huge. Again, now you really start talking the language of, way you know, not only is there a benefit in the product, but in a benefit of how you can utilize the product in that. When you start talking about, you know, different ways of hooking it up and all of that, I know there are a lot of things that Fuel Lab offers as far as accessories and different things. How easy are these solutions to integrate, especially with the products that could go along with this?
3: So, with with our product lineup, I uh, it was very focused on an external market uh, because that was that was what fit our demographic first, you know. Uh, but now, as people are switching to more in tank stuff, and again, this oddly comes back to weight balancing, trying to get a, a surge tank set up for you know road course for time attack for drifting that you really try to get everything as compact as possible. So uh, we also offer a quick service surge tank, which fits inside a fuel cell. So it has it's a, a 24 volt plate with a lift pump and a surge tank that houses two one or two pumps, uh, but it supports up to like 1500 wheel horsepower on 85, but it's all condensed within a, a nice package where you just drop it inside a fuel cell. So with that solution, uh, it really allows you again to to be able to start positioning your entire fuel system wherever you want. Uh, for example, like in an E46, you tend to put a few, very small fuel cell behind the passenger seat, about where the stock fuel cell, free sorry, stock fuel tank would go. And then now your your lines are shorter, but you also have all the weight in the center of the car, and you have it as low as it can get. So this gives the opportunity to to be able to have something that is you know compact it's in tank but it's still even in aftermarket even what the fuel cell is going to give you a weight
2: balance like an oem would wow that's uh that's pretty incredible um tell us about pwm incorporation and why that's important
3: so uh really to the market uh pulse width modulation uh, hasn't been used in aftermarket i it, it's just it's been hard for a lot of people to do, but now with ECU manufacturers really looking forward to to being able to control ramp in uh, things like like brushless fans, you know you have that 80 amp on on ramp in, and again talking about the load that's already on the alternator, and you have fuel pumps running at full tilt, you're going to to really drain the system fast. You're going to put a lot of strain on the alternator just to keep the car alive. So with pulse width modulation, uh, OEMs have been doing it for. Quite some time i mean uh there's kind of primitive versions of it available in subarus uh they just do like 33 66 99 but it's enough to where the pump's not running and getting hot uh but it also means that you're it's more like fuel on demand so with all of our systems we use true speed control we don't do that stepped style so everything we do is 10 percent to 90 percent so uh, zero to 10% is essentially 10% flow because you shouldn't ever be dropping below that. And 90% to a hundred percent is a hundred percent because it's all going to be kind of the same once you get to that point. But the the important part there is that 10 to 90%. So when you're sitting in grid, you don't have your pumps running at a hundred percent. You have your pumps running at 30% to keep the car alive. You have your pumps running at 50%. And being able to tie into pulse width modulation is, is getting to be one of the most important things in keeping uh Uh, set up reliable so with with being able to control that you have uh the the capability to really manage heat and heat is one of the biggest killers of fuel systems so as soon as you start to boil the fuel your pump will cavitate just because i mean fluid's not going to be dense enough at that point so if you're able to keep the pumps cool because they're not running as hard as they can at any time um it's going to really make it to where you can keep the system cool, keep the pumps happy, but then also not outrun any part of the system. It means that you don't need as much return line. It means that you don't need uh, as big of a, uh, well, you still need the same size fuel filter, but really it's it's your return line size. And if you think about PTFE lines, those those lines aren't light. So again, we're we're able to pull a lot of weight out of the car and cost because we're able to start managing other parts of the system by utilizing the technology that we have.
2: Wow, that that's really cool. And it's funny as you're talking about cavitation. Um, literally, a question just came in from the chat. Uh, Brushless is very cool technology, but do you have any technologies uh, that reduce the air contamination in the fuel problem? This problem results from dissolved and uh, entrained air slash oxygen in the fuel. In other words, how do we better get the dissolved air oxygen out of the fuel? So typically,
3: this is this is a very diesel focused question. I mean, you see a lot of uh, air separators on the market, um, realistically, a majority of that is actually created by your return line. Um, so we, we've we actually done uh, a video on it and really how important it is for your return line to be submerged. Sub yeah, submerged in fuel. So what happens is if your return is actually just spraying on top of the fuel, you're creating a lot of air into that system. You're creating those, those micro bubbles. And I mean, just, I mean, you can get it to foam. That's how much air you can put in the system. So really, it's less about trying to get the air out of the fuel as it is making sure your system is set up properly. And a lot of that is in your return line and how that return actually feeds into the tank. Typically, you want your return all the way below the fuel as low as it can get and making sure that it's not going to just be spraying. So anything that would cause that to be disrupted. So, you know, uh like a, a clipped hard line or something like that. Normally you want to use something soft and something that you can bend and normally get kind of a swirl effect. That way, again, you can help really eliminate a lot of that spray and foam, air. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no that that that's interesting. And you mentioned diesel, um, you know, and, and I know we've talked a lot about drag stuff, and and I and I know people drag their diesels as well. But uh, you know, I I automatically start thinking of tow vehicles and everything else and different things that are going to benefit me, not just at the racetrack, uh, but also from the time I leave my shop until the time I get back to my shop. So uh, a lot of the solutions that you guys have at Fuel Lab uh, really apply to all of that as well, right?
3: Yeah, actually, that is something that uh, we saw happen a lot within the last year or so. We have a lot of guys uh, who are not just looking to our systems for their race car, but their tow rigs. And again, this comes back to us being able to capitalize on our brushless pumps. They are a lower amperage draw, but they are designed for 12 to 24 volt systems. So pretty much anywhere it can fit in within a diesel application, but the reliability of a brushless is there. Now, everybody is using this as a lift pump. These we These aren't you know, like common rail pumps and stuff like that. They are just lift pumps. But again, even then in corporation, we designed those even thinking about how the return line is going to be set up in that so that we can get uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of air out of the system in that regard. We do have a, an air separator within our system that we offer. Uh, but at its core, it's it's really about how the system's set up.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is a follow up to the last question about air, and uh, and and certainly something out of my understanding. Uh, the reduction of sulfur has resulted in fuel becoming much more thirsty for air slash oxygen. Gasoline is ten uh, parts per million, I guess, and diesel is fifteen ppm.
3: Yeah. Um, again, with a lot of a lot of our systems being less street car focused, we are we are more catered to drum fuels. We are, we do have, you know, most of our, our clientele is based around using drum e85 drum race fuel, um, even drum race diesel Uh, Our number one or number two uh, hikes peak car. I mean, that's coming up by, he runs a Volkswagen TDI motor. So that's really where, where our demographic lies. Um, we haven't focused so much on the streetcar side because, you know, our systems are definitely designed with uh, a lot more power in mind. Granted, streetcars are getting real close to, you know, the the four digit mark out of a streetcar every day.
2: Yeah, I got you. Uh, so um, and I know you've talked a lot about the advantages and everything, which is really cool. Uh, you know, if I'm sitting here thinking to myself, OK, what, what do I need to do next to my race car? What's going to help me? What's going to be the big benefit? Um in my back of my mind I'm thinking well my fuel pump works my fuel system's fine. Uh two part question. Does it does it really work like it should? Um and uh, you know what would be my biggest gain or what would be some of the gains that I would be able to see uh in, in looking into fuel lab for um, helping with that. So uh you know I,
3: really we don't see as many people looking to to swap out working pumps you know that's not just not yeah. often, it's not broke, don't fix it kind of mentality, which is totally sensible, especially within a race car where it's like you're not gonna put the car down for no reason um a lot of it comes to data logging actually we you know that's that's a big part of what's making a lot of things identifiable earlier now. Uh, OEMs moving to CAN bus has been big, especially when you have the ability to access the system, you can really get vitals on everything. And you can actually get a lot of those vitals the same way within your system, just with, you know, a a really good pressure sensor somewhere near the, the beginning of the pump. On an external pump, it's really easy to just add an eighth inch MPT fitting in line and be like, all right, well, what's pressure looking like at the pump? And then what's pressure looking like at the rail or, you know, the end of the system? and really you can start to diagnose how the life of the pump is is at that point or again with pdms you can log amperage draw amperage draw is going to be the dead giveaway for absolutely all of that so being able to start really diagnosing the system with good data collection is super important if you want to be able to to evaluate your system so for for us a lot of times you know um really it's when guys start to start to look for that top number that their motor can set up is set up for their system is set up for and they're like hey you know i uh, we're on the dyno tuner said we're out of fuel tuner said we're out of fuel it's like okay well let's start looking at your system and more times than not it, it comes down to a fuel filter pumps tend to be relatively stout outside of being left in e85 for extended periods of time or ethanol or methanol but uh, most of the time, it's actually a fuel filter. A lot of people skip that and they're like, yeah, it's there, it's good. But being able to go back and, and start pulling apart each part of the system and kind of starting at the light switch and then working your way in uh, is always how we recommend doing it. So looking at a fuel filter is super important because I, uh, you know, uh, especially if you have to use pump stuff, that's when you'll really see a lot of, a lot of contaminants. Um, pump 85 is notorious for that. So uh for maintenance intervals it depends on the size of the filter but typically we look at anywhere from you know uh yearly for our smaller filters especially on pump e85 but you're talking like two years on our bigger filters for pump e85 and i'm using pump e85 as the barometer there because that's right now that's pretty much like the the dirtiest fuel that we see uh-huh. so it's easy to have easy to use that as our barometer.
2: Yeah, it's funny. See, me, I would think, well, fuel filter first, because that's probably the cheapest thing that I could see going wrong. And then let's start looking at other things. But uh, along the way, and you guys offer fuel filters, uh, you know, in, in various forms as well, from inline to check valves and, and uh, you know, in-tank and all of those other things as well. Um, when, when I start thinking about replacing my system, saying, okay, you know what? I really am going brushless. Um, I'm hearing the advantage. And to me, I, I think amperage draw is uh, one of the big ones. But then you start talking about weight and all of that. Uh, now I want to deep dive, you know, I'm the type of person thinking, okay, well, it's not just the pump. What else do I need to do? And and getting a complete system, a complete solution, all of that. Is this something that I can piecemeal together? Or is this something that when I'm going on, I just need to really go all in?
3: So really, anytime that you're going to evaluate your system and you start at the pump, typically that's where you want to start. And you want to say, how much, how much flow am I going to need for this this setup? And so everything is kind of catered to that pump, because if you have you have a pump that flows, you know, six gallons a minute, but then you have a fuel filter that flows three gallons a minute. Well, all of a sudden you're going to spike that amperage because it's getting choked by the fuel filter. And then, you know, let's say now you're like, all right, well, I got the got the pump. Now I have a filter that flows 15 gallons a minute. All right, we're good. But then you get to your regulator. The regulator can only bypass, you know, a gallon a minute. We're getting into that. It's. You really do have to do it in stages. A lot of times certain parts are overdone just when you do a typical setup, but normally it's really good to evaluate the entire system at one time, just because if one part, like really, if the pump can outrun any other component, you're not going to be able to utilize those advantages of brushless because you are going to spike the amperage draw because you're choking the pump at some point in the system.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. In my mind, I start to hear, you know, people say, oh, I got a bigger intake. Okay, what did you do on the other end? I didn't do anything. Okay. Oh, I got a big exhaust. What did you do on the front end? You know, then what did you do to tune it? I mean, everything, and I think the point is, I mean, everything really plays off of itself. But to your point, I think you make a very good point is is really figuring out what your needs are because, uh, you know, no one wants to buy too much, but uh, gosh, it'd be even worse to not have enough or at least have it choked up somewhere
3: yeah yeah and you know i mean a lot of times we even with like quick math if, if somebody calls in and they're curious about their setup we normally give them like a 15 percent correction factor and we we kind of baseline there because that's normally enough to where if you know a tuner's feeling real spicy they can be like oh yeah we can we can go up another five pounds it's like okay well i'm glad that we set you up for that so really we always try to help people set up a correction factor just in, in anticipation of things like that happening i mean the other part that we can't always balance out is you know we don't know the quality of your fuel we don't know your elevation we don't know a lot of the other factors that go into it, at that time calculating exactly how much fuel pump you need or how much injector you need or how much return you need it's really comes down to we are going to try to give you something very safe but you should not run out of fuel as long as your projected number is correct um you know, we do have we do have times where somebody's like, oh, yeah, we plan to make a thousand on race gas. And then they call us up and they're like, hey, uh, I ran out of fuel pumps like, oh, well, you know, what are, what's the kind of conditions? And then they're like, oh, well, you know, we're on the 85 and and we're we're at like the 950 mark. And we're like, OK, yeah, we didn't we can't accommodate for that because we we need to know certain things. So that kind of goes back to the last question is when you design the system, a lot of it is future proofing because these systems do last so long that you can future proof and you can say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing this build and it's going to start off and it's going to be a 450 horsepower naturally aspirated on, on 92. And you're like, all right, yeah, we're good. And then it's like, but I think later we're going to go with, uh, you know, 15 pounds on the blower and we're going to run it on, you know, methanol. It's like, okay, well with speed control, we can let you, Do a pump setup for a thousand horsepower on methanol, but then slow the pump way down so that you're not just, you know, beating up the rest of the system. And then you could make 400 on pump gas. And then when the day comes where you're like, all right, well, let's let's dump methanol in the tank and turn it up. It's not a problem. So it's really being able to capitalize on a lot of these these features where, you know, speed control has gotten that important that you want to be able to to have this system that you can overbuild that you can future proof that is set up for your wildest, you know, imagination, but then you can slow everything down to not outrun the rest of the system.
2: That's really cool. Uh and and boy, I'm I'm sure um What a huge asset as well. Um, If you do have a question, I'll remind you, you can type something in the chat anytime if you've got a question about your system uh, or or anything that we're talking about specifically. And and I do want to talk about um, your customers and having those conversations with them, too, in a minute here. Uh, But a question just came in. What's the purpose of a check valve in your fuel filters?
3: Actually, that's – That's one of the things that we don't talk about. We have a lot. uh, So it's not all of our fuel filters. We do offer a line that has check valves in them. So the entire thing is, is, you know, um, if you look at a regulator and you don't have a check valve in your system. So normally you have a single check valve on an in-tank pump and and that's it, but it still bleeds off to a degree. So uh, what'll happen is you pressurize the system, you shut your car off and then you walk back out and, you know, 30 minutes later, your your fuel system has zero PSI in it. So, then you turn it on, you let the pump prime, pressurize the system. So with, with the filter carrying the check valve, we can actually hold pressure to the regulator, which means that you have less time priming. So you're, again, it's it's more of a convenience thing because you want to just start the car. So instead of having, you know, like a really in-depth pre-flight checklist, it's okay, well, we don't we don't really have to worry about it. We can start it. Or being able to make micro adjustments like that, being able to hold pressure, helps a ton. So it's really a a convenience kind of thing.
2: That's really cool. That's really cool. You know, Tanner, you've talked about having conversations with your customers. And one thing that I do really like uh, in talking to a lot of the suppliers that we have on e trade is the fact that they do have that open dialogue with racers. And, you know, for someone to come in, I don't want to sit in my shop and guess when I can pick up the phone and uh, and ideally call you and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. What 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 can you help me with? What do I need? Um, how easy is that flow? How easy is that conversation?
3: So it it's super easy. So for us uh we have sales staff uh, available by the phone from 8 to 5 central time. Uh we are always available. Uh we always answer the phone. You're always going to get one of three of us who who does tech support. Uh but you know we we're here to to help with the fuel system whether it's uh our system or not. Like that is that is our specialty. So you know A lot of times if somebody's just stumped on something or, you know, even trying to get some quick diagnostics where they're like, hey, I think my fuel pump is dead. This is what's happening. We'll walk you through it. And, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But we're we're there to help because, you know, without without us having trust within our customer base, without having trust in racers, then we're not going to be able to go very far ourselves. So that's why you know like i said like we work with a lot of of competitors items like you know a lot of people have brand a brand b and then they use us as their filter or their uh, pump and it's like okay you know well we'll help diagnose your entire system and we'll start with you know our product but then we'll work through your whole system because sometimes you could just need that extra set of eyes or ears on it and you know you never know who's going to be like oh hey here's how simple it was so yeah we really like to make sure that our our customer base knows that we are the experts and we care and we want to help. That's, that's, that's our big thing, right? I mean, it's in our name.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned, uh, you're in the central time zone. You guys are in Illinois. Um, am I'm, I'm here in Fort Worth, uh, and, and here's the good thing. Um, it's not that everything is necessarily coming out of your warehouse, right? Like I could go to Dallas performance, for example, or, you know, summit racing has a massive warehouse down in Arlington, Texas, for example. Um, you guys have a pretty thorough dealer network, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. We uh we have uh several uh master wholesalers, uh Summit, uh Jeg's, uh turn 14. We have we have a really good network, so we make sure everything's available. Uh we are also available direct, so kind of wherever you can you can find us almost anywhere, which means that nine times out of ten, you're gonna have product in two days max. Uh a lot of guys get stuff same day. Um But yeah, we make all of our products in-house. Every single one of our pumps is built, uh, assembled, tested in-house. So we never have like a a generic, uh, we call them birth certificates for the pumps. But every pump goes on our flow bench. And then we look at the exact flow rating of that pump in that condition set. And if it's not meeting what our advertised target is, then that pump will get quarantined and it'll get disassembled and we start from scratch. Because we need people to know that when they buy this pump and they look at this chart, it's not just this is what this pump theoretically flows. It's this is what your pump flowed. So we do have times where pumps flow more, which, you know, obviously we're going to send that out the door because it's like, yeah, you're getting even an even better pump. But it's it gives the customer a a really high level of trust when they see that, hey, that's my serial number. That's my pump. And I know that at this flow rate, that's how much the pump's going to flow. So yeah, that that, that goes into the same thing with our customer service. And like I said earlier, our warranty, where as long as you have a serial number, you can call us and it, we will look it up. It doesn't matter where you bought it. It has a serial number on it, which means that we can track that and say, hey, this is what this should be. Or, you know, sometimes people buy like a, a regulator or something and they buy it secondhand and they're like, hey, I'm trying to see exactly what this is and we can look up stuff like that. So we can make sure that, you know, we we track all of our products really in depth to be able to say, hey, this is how old this is. This is what it was originally like built out for. You know, we don't share personals, but like important things like that about the product itself is going to be key to to be able to utilize a lot
2: of these products further down the line. Wow! Uh, and if I do have an issue, is this something that's serviceable? Is it a, a warranty thing, or how how does all of that work?
3: So with uh, our filters and regulators, they're field serviceable um we sell uh replacement filters we sell uh diaphragm springs hardware kits almost any of that with our pumps that is a warranty thing where you'll get a hold of us and we'll give you an rma but uh you know the thing is is that as long as somebody can say hey this is what's going on then we can really help get the pumps sorted out which uh kind of a tangent with that really a lot of the pumps this is uh something that's not talked about a ton is is pre-pump filtration so Yeah, kind of thinking about that as as we talk is a lot of our warranty stuff comes down to pre-pump filtration. So a lot of people just, you know, especially with external pumps, because they don't have something that's integrated, they just set it down, put their feet in and they're like, yeah, it's good to go. So a lot of these pumps are pretty sensitive when it comes to the internals of the pumps. So you need some form of a a pre-filter, but you don't want it to choke the pump. So we always target like a 100 micron stainless pre-pump filter. And then from there, you'll do you know a six or a ten micron post pump filter, and for any level of fuel injector, we don't recommend anything above ten micron, and then anything carbureted, nothing above forty for a post pump filter. But a lot of that is super important to keep you know injectors clear, jets clear, stuff like that. Um, and then the the materials are always super important too. So with with fuel filters, we offer we offer four different elements. We have stainless. Uh, or I guess we have two different micron levels of stainless, uh, fiberglass and, or microglass and, uh, paper. So the paper elements are not good for any level of ethanol. Uh, but the rest of the filters are good for every kind of fuel. And when I say it's everything outside of like nitro, we can do, all of our systems are built around the same kind of mentality that we don't know how the landscape's going to change and trying to future proof everything, uh, almost all of our pumps are good for gasoline, uh, ethanol, methanol, diesel. Like we, we really tried to make sure that our entire lineup is designed around working together, so that you can use almost any of our components together, or you know, at least
2: to a degree. You know, Tanner, you mentioned uh, you know pump gas to E85 and all of that. What what would I need to know if I was making that transition? So uh,
3: the the biggest thing is really uh, going up in in pump size. So uh, the the quick math for E eighty five is always thirty percent more fuel. So that's you know your baseline. So if if you're on a, a one gallon a minute pump, then you're going to need you know a one point three gallon a minute pump just to to compensate for the extra amount of fuel that you're going to need. With that, uh, you do want to make sure that your fuel filter is up to spec and then your lines. So we always recommend going to an E85 compliant line or a PTFE lined hose. Uh, most of those, you know, available through all of our same distributors. So we always recommend that. Uh, but it it's always important to know that you have enough pump. And that's where, you know, if you add in that correction factor and you say 40% more pump, then you're going to be really trying to give yourself more headroom. But that that initial target of needing 30 to 33% more right off the bat is, is where people get hung up, and that's what needs to be focused on primarily if you're going to make the switch. And then going methanol, it's 45%. So making those changes adds up really fast when you talk about pump sizing or power ratings. So making sure that you look at the correct power ratings on a pump or when you're doing your flow, really making sure you're designed around that fuel and the specific gravity of that fuel
2: is there anything I need to know about uh, keeping the fuel in the tank or anything like that?
3: Yeah. So um, typically with E85, we say don't store it for more than two weeks uh, in just E85. Uh, methanol, you don't want to be more than three days. And uh, what happens is uh, the, the alcohol inside it will actually start to corrode the pump. The ethanol will actually corrode the pump, and then it'll lock the pump in place. So for, for us, we always recommend draining and just storing it in gasoline. Uh, we don't want to store it dry, but do store it in gasoline or store gasoline inside of it if it's an external pump. So for a lot of our drag bikes, that's kind of where we end up lining up is they normally have two maps. One will be for you know straight methanol, and then they'll have kind of an idle map that's just for gasoline so that they can store it. So a lot of guys, it's not so much off-season storage. Uh, it's like in between race storage that they'll actually do that. So it 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 does harm the pump pretty quick if it's not stored properly. Um, but you know, the, the pumps are relatively resilient. We just don't want you to go to fire it up and have a pump lock up or something like that. So yeah, proper, proper storage and maintenance is important there.
2: Yeah, no, I would agree. I, look, a little bit of preventative maintenance goes a long, long way, especially when it's something that you're so dependent upon uh, as the fuel system as well. What are some common questions that you do get when you're starting to get uh, inquiries from people and all of that? What are what are some things that um, come up often?
3: Uh, Primarily, it, it comes down to people trying to calculate flow. Um, we're actually getting ready to release an entire calculator that helps you start and say okay what's your what's your target power what kind of fuel are you using is it forced induction is it uh carbureted how much boost are you running if any all of that adds up really fast because you know a lot of times with these numbers it gets skewed really fast because somebody's like okay this pump flows you know uh 500 liters an hour it's like okay well it's 500 liters an hour at three bar so all of a sudden when somebody's like okay well my injectors when I have them on the bench they're happiest and I get the best spray pattern at 60 psi okay mm-hmm. well now your base pressure is no longer three bar and then how much booster you're running oh well, I'm running 30 pounds all right so you're at five bar overall you're at 90 psi so now most pumps really start to fall off up top right there so a lot of people are like yeah but you know I bought a 500 liter power pump how come your 500 liter power pump is going to do better well this is where a lot of that brushless efficiency comes in so if we have a pump that it you know, 90 PSI is only going to lose 20 liters an hour, then that's going to be the best possible solution. So the efficiency there and the math there is always going to be really important. So those those pressures, a lot of people get tripped up and they're like, well, why? I don't know yet. It's like, okay, well, this is going to be key information because it, it drastically changes how much pump you need if you're going to be at 90 to 100 PSI or if you're going to be at, you know, 10 PSI
2: yeah it's fascinating and, and and what's great is uh you guys at fuel lab you have a pretty uh pretty extensive youtube page as well um one of the ones i haven't watched this one yet but it just fascinates me I put an eighteen hundred horsepower fuel pump on my minivan um oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not just about fun i mean there's there's like real tutorial stuff in there as well but uh its it's great what you guys have been able to put out as well uh that just helps people you know
3: yeah. Yeah. So like um, those guys, those are some really good guys that we've been working with for a couple of years now. Um, they do they do a lot of like no prep drag stuff, but they do a primarily 2.4 liter like Mopar builds, so like the SRT motors and they do a bunch of swaps and they just put them in kind of everything and then turn them into drag cars, but their their fuel demands are getting up there where they're you know at like twenty seven hundred cc injectors and it it's crazy that it's something that you know these guys were like hey we want to do this can you guys help and that was how that conversation started is that it was just a genuine question of hey we have a drag car with these giant injectors we know that we need a lot of fuel we don't know how much like what how can you guys help us so yeah we we really try to to focus on you know a a lot of variants in motorsport i know i've talked a lot about drag racing but we're Mm -hmm. super heavily involved in the drift demographic now. Uh, a lot of that goes back to that surge tank we talked about and, uh, you know, even our external surge tanks, which carry the same technology. But being able to to offer solutions for a lot of people who are like, hey, you know, cars make more power now. We got it. We got to adjust our we got to adjust our setups for it. So, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, a drift car was a three to four hundred horsepower car. And now you're talking twelve hundred horsepower on E85 that changes what we need to put in tank and fit in a surge tank and do all this other stuff at the same time that it makes it to where we have to push what our pumps can do super fast. And, you know, with the, all the other uh, I guess, arms of the aftermarket kind of trying to, to rush to be like, okay, well, you know, what, how much boost do you want to run now? How, (laughs) what, what do you need this to look like? Where do you want the power curve to come in you know it makes it to where we have to push really fast to be able to to match a lot of these demands and all these
2: new numbers yeah definitely Uh, another question from the chat how popular is your fuel pump slash fuel regulator setup that controls the fuel return volume on its own this seems like a great setup but i don't see it promoted much
3: yeah so that that was one of our our big early calling cards uh so we have an electronic fuel pressure regulator that uses a pressure transducer to, to regulate the return flow line. Um, so it may, measures return line pressure to make sure that you're only calling out for enough flow. So this setup is really focused on people who don't have a modern aftermarket ECU. So no, you know, no Holly Terminator, no link ECU, no Haltech, no fuel tech. Like now that everybody has pulse width modulation integrated on like an old Resto mod, this is where this really fits in so that you can do one of these really big pumps and then it just runs the speed wire to it. So being able to capitalize on PWM technology without having to have some big aftermarket ECU or still while, you know, using a relatively stock setup, this was a really good solution early on. We don't promote it much now because, as I just said, a lot of the aftermarket ECU manufacturers. They, they have it covered. And with so many people using, you know, plug and play Holly kits, because it's really easy to incorporate to almost any swap with, you know, uh, Link ECU having all these boxes where you can just easily incorporate it, Haltech doing the exact same thing. It means that those pulse width modulation maps are already built in for a lot of these guys, and it's really easy to incorporate. So they don't need something to do it all standalone. Now, if you're not comfortable doing a PWM strategy within your setup, this is a good solution there.
0: Oh, Brad, you're on mute. <laughs> Well, <laughs> thank,
2: thank you Princes. <laughs> um I am I'm impressed because um it, literally there's not anything that we've talked about or you've been asked about that you uh you know didn't have an instant and very thorough answer for and obviously um what you guys are doing with fuel uh fuel lab and the brushless technology and all of that uh a huge asset uh to racers everywhere. This has just been so much fun and fascinating.
0: There is thank one you. last quick question, Brad, if you want to go through it quickly and then uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up.
2: Sure. Uh, Yeah, it just came through. When using an aftermarket ECU, is anyone using a flow meter in the return line to help control pump speed? Typically not. Uh, Most people don't do it in the return line because if you use
3: something like a surge tank that has an overflow, you're not going to be able to pressurize the return line properly because it's always going to feed out. So for aftermarket ECU, guys, it's going to be on the pressure side. And normally it'll be, you know, off of one of the fuel rails or the fuel rail, depending on whatever your engine configuration is. But that allows you to ramp pump speed up early. Uh, I know on my personal setups, I always put it before the rail so that I can get the, the pressure sensor to make the call out to the ECU prior to me ramping in. So, you know, if uh, I'm at, you know, 25% TPS and then I start to roll into it and then my pressure starts to drop, you know, anything over five PSI, then it starts to make the call out for the pump. Uh, with a lot of these, a lot of people do tie it to TPS and not so much with uh, just a pressure sensor, but typically with an aftermarket ECU, it's on the feed side, not the return
2: side. That's awesome. Tanner, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And uh, and what what a great education. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Tanner. And uh, we pushed a few lab back on the homepage of the ePortrait platform. So please go on ePortrait.com and connect with Tanner and everybody at Few Lab. It's a great team. It's a, you know one of those wonderful uh, companies that really basically are what this industry is all about. So thank you very much for being with us today. This webinar has been recorded. It will be posted later on the ePortrait platform, distributed through our uh, social media channel. We will be back live next week. We're going to be uh, hosting our friends from Bike Speak. So we're going to have a special on Pike Peaks. so thank you very much for being with us today. Please, uh, you know, use the ePortrait platform; it's out there for you, and uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week. Thank you very much. Let's go racing. Bye bye.
3: ePortrait is a digital platform that we've created basically to make life easier in the business community of auto racing.
1: E-part trade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier.
0: When you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on the request, more information, and then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier
1: e really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology.
2: Land speed record holder George Poteet's speed demon rocketed 481 miles per hour at the Bonneville Salt Flats. You don't go that fast without ARP fasteners. There is no way that we could go the speed that we've gone the number of times we've gone with a lesser quality bolt than ARP supplies to us. We absolutely wouldn't be where we were today if it weren't for ARP. When failure is not an option, it's arp boltscom We're Performance Plus Global Logistics. Our team of dedicated performance industry and logistics experts get valuable cars and components to the track on time in top condition. We provide expedited logistics solutions for the performance industry using direct routes instead of deferred options and communicate all necessary information to the appropriate resources to meet regulations and ensure a smooth transit and secure delivery, both domestically and internationally. And we exceed customer expectations by providing best-in-class service with an efficient and cost-effective system in place. Contact us today to book your next shipment.
0: You work as hard as your truck, And you have no time for downtime. That's why more truck owners trust Blue Death, America's number one diesel exhaust fluid brand. Each batch is guaranteed pure so you can avoid costly repairs caused by inferior death. Demand America's best for your truck,
2: Blue Death and Blue Death Platinum. Put trust in your truck. I'm Michael Cruz, owner and operator of Got Mechanic
3: LLC. Whether we're out in the field or whether we're in the bay, me and my guys are able to actually go into parts procurement and be able to pull up these prices for our parts and use the parts matrix to actually get a profit off of these parts on the fly. Parts procurement makes it even better just with being able to get
2: in contact with my local retailers.